Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post-show for November 14th, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Monday evenings, wherever you may be. Monday Night Raw tonight, guys. It had its ups. It had a lot of downs. It wasn't the best efforts that I've seen. For the first hour and a half, I was struggling to find anything that I could sink my teeth into. And then all of a sudden, we got Austin Theory, and Austin Theory was the breakout star that Monday Night Raw needed tonight. And he was the one that carried the ship. Tonight on Monday Night Raw. That's what we're going to start off with. Austin Theory. Obviously, it's a hot-button topic. Obviously, it is still resonating with whatever Triple H and the creative team did last week. The botched cash-in of Austin Theory on Seth Rollins. And it came for the United States Championship during an open challenge. And I've talked about this not once but twice this week. And I'm going to talk about it again tonight. Because we got a new Austin Theory. We got a more focused Austin Theory. We got a Triple H Austin Theory. Not once. Not once did I use ever in the last seven days. Through all the times that I've talked about this in the last seven days, I have not uttered the word buried. I didn't think it was a burial. On the surface, it seemed like a burial. To everybody watching, it seemed like a burial. To the Jim Cornettes out there, it seemed like a burial. To me, it did not seem like a burial. It did not. On the surface, it did. But I wasn't going to those lengths to use that word. That is a word that is... Very, very often used in the IWC, and I did not want to use that on Monday. I could see why people would think that, but I'm not going to sit here and use it even now. It did not make any sense. Whatever he did last week, it did not make any sense. In fact, it made him look fucking stupid. It made him look weak. It made him look completely irrelevant. It made the money in the bank briefcase look irrelevant. And the logic gaps, they were just too big to look at and just kind of overlook. It came during an open challenge. Why would he cash in the briefcase when Seth Rollins was issuing an open challenge? Now, the open challenge, by some people watching, it was kind of thrown away. Bobby Lashley ruined the open challenge. 
Who knows if Seth Rollins would have even wanted to continue the open challenge last Monday. Austin Theory cashed it in thinking that he could get a guaranteed championship match even if Seth Rollins did not want to wrestle last week and he would have a better opportunity by cashing it in, getting a United States championship. But it was during an open challenge and it was for the United States championship. That's not the rule of the money in the bank. It insulted our intelligence. The money in the bank briefcase for everybody else before Austin Theory was used for a world championship opportunity. Charlotte Flair cashed in her. Or actually, no, she, she didn't. Uh, that's the Royal Rumble. But still, WWE's broken the rules in regards to where they could go with the money in the bank briefcase. I would have, I, I said this. Austin Theory cashing in on an NXT championship was one of the ways to go and do that. Having him cash in on a Braun Breaker would have been okay to me because it's still considered a world championship. It's not a universal championship. It's not a WWE championship. It's still a world championship. That would have been one of the ways to do that. WWE could have easily just had him cash in and lose to Roman Reigns. Lose, cash in and lose, and no harm would have been done. At least he would have tried. At least he would have tried. WWE tonight gave you the excuse and the explanation that Austin Theory cashed in on the United States Championship because he felt like the briefcase was holding him down. And that is a shoot. There is mega truth behind what Austin Theory said tonight. It was holding him back. Every time he tried to cash in the briefcase, something else was going to stop him from getting where he wanted to go. Roman Reigns is not losing the championship. Austin Theory even admitted that. Everywhere I go, there's always somebody stopping me. I tried to cash in on Roman, Brock Lesnar was there. I tried to cash in on Roman, Tyson Fury was there. If I cashed in on Roman any other time, the bloodline would be there. And they're five men deep. So I did what any smart man would do. And I would go after the United States Championship, the championship on Monday Night Raw. Was the explanation enough for the fans watching last week to say, you know what, he does make sense? No. He does make sense, but in the end, it still was a stupid creative decision. And there are ways, and there were ways, that WWE could have went about it. Now we fast forward to this Monday, tonight. After the explanation, we got Austin Theory and we got Triple H's Austin Theory. He wrestled Dolph Ziggler tonight in what I thought was the best match of the entire show. I don't really care much for Dolph. I don't think anybody really cares much for Dolph. But it was the best match of the entire night. Austin Theory looked great. He then showed face in the main event after Seth Rollins retained the United States Championship and laid out Seth Rollins at the end of the show looking up at the United States Championship. Austin Theory, has he been fixed following the last seven days of questionable booking? He's on his way to. Are people going to forget what happened to Austin Theory? Eventually. Was last week right? In some ways it was. 
Did it make him look weak? Did it make him look stupid? Did it insult our intelligence? Yes, yes, yes. But I never used the word buried because Austin Theory wasn't buried. See, what you guys have to understand, like I mentioned last week, Triple H wanted to undo all the wrongs done by Vincent Kennedy McMahon. This was Vince McMahon's Austin Theory. The Money in the Bank briefcase was the last living thing attached to Austin Theory that Vince McMahon gave him. Now look at where we see Austin Theory. I want you guys to look at Austin Theory. You may not think much of Austin Theory, but I don't really give a shit what you say. He's 25 years old. He's the future of the fucking company. He may be the future of the fucking business. He's 25 years old, and he's that good right now. Imagine him when he's 30, when he's in his prime. At 30, he won't even be in his prime. Imagine how good he's going to be at 30 years old. I want you guys to look at what you saw tonight. The Money in the Bank briefcase was the last thing attached to Austin Theory that was Vince McMahon. It is no longer there. Austin Theory got his name back. Austin Theory is now wrestling like he did on NXT, like he did on the Indies. He's pulling out shit that we weren't seeing during the Vince McMahon era. Austin Theory has given up the fucking selfie shit. That was a Vince McMahon thing. Austin Theory has grown out a beard. He looks like a man. And he looks legit. Austin Theory no longer has the briefcase. All of these things wrapped up into one big presentation. Now you're getting Triple H's Austin Theory. And if anybody has a fucking problem with that, I'm going to need you to see yourself to the door. I don't give a shit what anybody says about Austin Theory. He's boring. He's not ready. Blah, 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 blah. He's not ready for a world championship. That doesn't mean he's not ready for a a spotlighted position on Monday Night Raw. Austin Theory is here, and Austin Theory is here to stay. Everything that Triple H did last week, the wrong that Triple H did, was for a reason. It was to undo all of Vince McMahon's mistakes. I said this last week and I said this last night during my Off the Script episode 452. Triple H doesn't want Austin Theory going into WrestleMania season with the Money in the Bank briefcase suffocating him. Triple H doesn't want the Money in the Bank briefcase around when he's trying to book a WrestleMania season as great as it could possibly be. How could he do that when I have all this cash in? What am I going to do with this briefcase? Let me get rid of it. It was a reset. It was a reset for the money in the bank. It was a reset for Triple H. It was a reset for Austin Theory. Now Triple H can focus solely on what he needs to do without worrying about, oh shit, Roman, the titles, they're both on Roman. I got this briefcase, this cash in. What am I going to do with it? Was it stupid? Yes. Did it insult our intelligence? Yes. Did it make Austin Theory look like a schmuck? Yes. But I guarantee you, two months, three months, as soon as we get to the Royal Rumble, you're not even going to think about Austin Theory because by the time we get to WrestleMania season, Austin Theory will be leagues beyond where we saw him under Vince McMahon, leagues beyond Austin Theory as Mr. Money in the Bank. Everything that they did tonight worked. 
Was it a terrible excuse? In some ways, I thought it was lame, but it was a very well-constructed promo. One of the best promos, probably the best promo that he cut. And it was a well-constructed explanation, but it doesn't hide the fact that the creative was dog shit. But I appreciate the effort and it needed to be done. Everything regarding Austin Theory needed to be done. And additionally, he's in the main event program with Seth Rollins, who's the biggest baby face on the show right now. So how could it possibly possibly be that bad for him if he's in the main event program with Seth Rollins, who's the hottest baby face on Monday night? It worked. And Triple H got out of this surprisingly unscathed. And Austin Theory got out of it unscathed. I think more people are now talking about Austin Theory in a positive light as they should be compared to any other time that they've seen Austin Theory. It worked. It worked. What do we do with Austin Theory moving forward? This is the start. Wherever wherever he wants to go, he can now do whatever he wants to do. I have ideas. We'll talk about it when we get to his match with Dolph Ziggler, but I have ideas, Royal Rumble ideas. You may be looking at the new King of the Ring next year. That's where guys like Austin Theory should shine. Never mind a Money in the Bank, which he was not ready for. Nobody's ready for Money in the Bank because nobody is ready to touch Roman. But when Austin Theory gets into 2023, you may be looking at King Theory. That's the type of show, that's the type of event where you put someone like Austin Theory in a tournament like the King of the Ring to go out there and fucking become the next big star in this industry. Money in the Bank was not going to do that right now. Any other year, maybe. But this is what happens when Vince McMahon has tunnel vision and Vince McMahon doesn't plan long-term booking. When Bruce Pritchard doesn't plan long-term booking. They gave Austin Theory the briefcase because Austin Theory was their favorite fucking flavor of the month. No plan, no rhyme or reason to give him the briefcase. They just gave it to him because that's what they do. Triple H said, no, I'm not doing that. Now we're getting Triple H's Austin Theory and you see the differences night and day compared to what we got under Vince McMahon. Everything that you knew of Austin Theory is now gone. Everything. This is now a new focused, a new vision for Austin Theory, and I love it. War Games. We got War Games taking shape. The women, Damage Control and Team Bianca. We got some names involved, and one name is missing from Team Bianca. So Damage Control added Nikki Cross and Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley has said, you know what? Mia Yim is now in War Games. I'm joining Damage Control, and I don't really give a shit what you guys say. Let's go to war. That was basically how that all transpired tonight on Monday Night Raw. So we got Bailey, EO Sky, Dakota Kai, Nikki Cross, and Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair, Asuka, Alexa Bliss and Mia Yim with one spot open for Team Bianca. Who will that be? I don't know. We're going to talk about who it could be, who I want it to be, who it more than likely will be. But War Games is set and the rules are set as well. 
Other than that, this Monday Night Raw was not all that entertaining. It was not. I thought this was a lackluster show. I waited till about 9.45 to get some semblance of War Games build. There was really no excitement until Austin Theory did what he did tonight, cut that promo, had a great match with Dolph Ziggler, did what he did in the main event. Austin Theory was the star of the show tonight. He needed to. But outside of Austin Theory and a great match with Theory and Ziggler and a very good match between Balor and Rollins for the United States Championship, this Monday Night Raw was a bore. And I'm not being, you know, generous or kind because I'm pro Triple H. Monday Night Raw has not been good in the last month and a half. That doesn't mean because Triple H is booking the show, I'm going to be all sunshine and rainbows on Monday night. The show still sucks. The show is not good right now. And I don't know what we need, but there are injuries. Cody's out. Kevin Owens is now out. They fucking traded Rey Mysterio for Baron Corbin. The show somehow has gotten worse. I don't know why. Hopefully War Games fixes that. But yes, Monday Night Raw, outside of what I just mentioned, was a chore to sit through tonight on Monday night. We're going to go over everything, guys. We're going to go over everything tonight. We're going to break down this show. We're going to hang out. Hopefully you guys are relaxing at home with a cold beverage. I got some news, man. I finally, for the first time ever, have exclusive, limited merchandise that will only be available for three weeks. This is off the script, teaming with Luchorillas. And we are bringing you the newest off the script design right now available. I pinned the website in the live stream chat at the top. Limited for three weeks. Lucharillas. Make sure you guys go and get that. It is now available. Click the link in the live stream chat. And go and get yours today. JD Rilla. What the fuck are you drinking, man? As you see him holding a beautiful old-fashioned. So go pick it up today. If you do not get it in the three weeks, you will not get it ever. It's gone. So make sure you guys go and get that. I would really, really appreciate it. And Lucharillas, the fine people over at Lucharillas, man. Love the support team over there. Love how they've handled everything. Go and get it today. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That is Twitter. Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. I'm going to need you guys to hit that thumbs up. We got 2,200 people in here, man. I need no questions asked. I need 1,000 likes minimum. Minimum. So hit that thumbs up. Super chats are open. Get them on in. Memberships, always accepting applications to the VIP club. Get them on in, become a channel member today on Off The Scripts. I'm working on some other things to up the production quality of the show. Outside of Lucharillas, I got a new t-shirt that's going to go and coincide with my newest project, man. 
If you don't think I'm turning the OTS venue into an underground speakeasy underneath the venue, we're going into a speakeasy, man. I'm physically constructing my mother's basement. And we're going to sit amongst the fireplace. We're going to have the moose head on the wall. We're going to have a nice old-fashioned or whichever you prefer, whichever cold beverage you prefer, and it's going to be glorious, man. Thanks, Jade. Thanks, geeks. And I'm going to have a T-shirt to go and coincide with my mother's basement as the newest addition to the OTS venue. So thank you guys very much for all of your support there. And tonight's show is sponsored... By my great friends over at Manscaped, manscaped.com. You guys are going to use code SCRIPT20 at checkout. Go get yourself the new performance package 4.0 this holiday season. It's way too early for Christmas music, man. I went I went to the mall today out on Long Island. And Jesus fucking Christ, man, they got people lining up to meet Santa Claus already. Holy shit. I went to go buy myself a new dress shirt for this fucking party I got to go to on Saturday. And people are legitimately waiting in line for Santa Claus. Christmas trees and music. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. It's too early for Christmas music, but it's never too early to start thinking about gifts, man. Manscaped.com. Code script 20 at checkout. You're going to use that code to save 20% off and... Free shipping on me. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Am I growing a beard? I've always had a beard. Listen, man, if I'm growing a beard, I ain't playing Santa Claus, okay? I have gray in my beard. I could probably play Santa Claus. I could grow something out. I don't want to. I'd be itching myself for days over here, man. I can't stand that shit. But more, more importantly, man, Santa Claus, you, you, may like, you may like Christmas, you may like Santa Claus and Miss Claus and all that other shit, the elves. I'm the Grinch, motherfucker, okay? That's me. That's me during the holidays. I'm the fucking Grinch. That's my role, especially in the IWC. Anyway, let's get on with the show, man. We got Monday Night Raw to talk about. We're going to get into it. We're going to start at the top, and we start with Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins, we see a video package about last week. 
and the happenings with the United States Championship. He made his way out to the ring. Fans love Seth Rollins. They love the theme song. They start singing along to the theme music. He was wearing this custom suit. It had uh, this rainbow-like color to it. He had glasses on. He had the blonde a little bit more prominent in his hair. I like this Seth Rollins. This is the best Seth Rollins that we've seen in many, many, many years. He's finally got it. He's got it down. He's got who he wants to be, and I like it. And now he's a babyface. You know, a lot of people were like, what is he? Is he babyface? Is he, is he still a heel? The, the, the crowd basically has turned him into a babyface, and that's fine. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys a question a little bit later on what do we do with Seth Rollins when a particular individual by the name of the American Nightmare comes back to Monday Night Raw. It's going to be a very interesting situation. So Rollins is out there, and we see the Bobby Lashley attack on Mustafa Ali last week and then attacking Seth Rollins at ringside last week, leading to Theory failing the cash-in. You guys know all that craziness last week. He says, Finn, Ali, Lashley, and Theory were all coming for him. And he talked about what happened to Theory last week. He said something seems a little different about the United States title as of late. He said the one thing that's different now is him. He said now that he's the champion, it is without question the top prize on Monday Night Raw. He said they will add to his legacy tonight when he defends the title against a former friend and a former foe in Finn Balor. All of a sudden, Bobby Lashley's music plays... Really no reaction for Bobby Lashley. Fans right now, I don't know. Bobby Lashley was acting like a babyface. He was doing his babyface motions to the crowd. But the crowd didn't really, they weren't really receptive to Bobby Lashley. They weren't overwhelmingly cheering him. They weren't overwhelmingly booing him. It was kind of in between. Nobody knows after what happened last week because right now, Rollins is a babyface. So you would assume that what Bobby Lashley did is go heel last week. But whatever Bobby Lashley did last week, uh, I feel like we're going to get the return of the Hurt Business. And that is going to happen when Triple H sees the time is right for that to happen. Because we're seeing more of Shelton Benjamin on the show. We saw Cedric Alexander on the show. So Bobby Lashley is hurting people. And that only means one thing. It may lead to the Hurt Business getting back together. So he's out there. Lashley says he won't rest until he has his United States Championship back. Seth told Bobby Lashley he had his opportunity last week, but instead of trying to win a match, he says, you decided it would be better to try and take my soul from my body. Fatality. Liu Kang wins. No, Shang Tsung wins. He's the one with the, uh, he steals the soul, right? So basically... He, he felt like Bobby Lashley was about to steal his soul last week, or rather would have stolen his soul than win the United States Championship. He said he got his temper, and that temper got the better of him because, you know, it might not be related. It may be related. He lost his match to Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel. All of a sudden, Mustafa Ali's music interrupted, and a referee ran out. Because Ali was yelling at Bobby Lashley, running down the aisleway. He wanted a match with Bobby Lashley after what happened last week. Ali charged to the ring. And Bobby Lashley said, 
The beating that I gave you last week will pair in comparison to what I will do to you unless you walk around, turn around and walk back to the locker room. So Ali gets in the ring. Lashley threw him out of the ring like a sack of garbage. And Lashley cornered Seth and pointed at him. Ali then leapt onto Lashley's back. Lashley dumped him over the top rope. Lashley told Ali he's starting to piss him off. He welcomed him to the ring for another ass kicking. Get in here and come get some. We go to commercial break and we get Bobby Lashley versus Mustafa Ali to open Monday Night Raw. I'm a fan of Mustafa Ali. I think Ali's great. Ali is very underutilized. I think Ali is very good in the ring. I'm looking forward to what he brings to this SmackDown World Cup on Friday. I believe he's wrestling Ricochet on Friday night. I don't know what they're doing with Mustafa Ali, but it ain't good. And I don't want to sit here and be a negative Nancy about Mustafa Ali. I don't want to sit here and shit on Mustafa Ali because I'm a fan of what he is and who he is and what he brings to the table. But it's the little things that really stand out to me. It's the little things that matter the most to me. I don't know what Ali has done to himself, but the presentation of Ali is adding to the shit creative that he's been given, and it's not really looking good for Ali right now. The only reason why Ali is wrestling Ricochet on Friday night is because they needed another body in that tournament that represents a non-U.S. country. Because there is U.S. representation in that World Cup tournament for SmackDown. Ali represents a non-U.S. country. That's the only reason why he's on the show. Plus, a match with Ricochet is probably going to be a banger. But Ali's presentation sucks. The theme music sucks. The braids in his hair sucks. His ring attire and overall look sucks. He looks like a fucking jobber. He looks like he should be training at Planet Fitness instead of wrestling in a WWE ring. He looks like a jobber. He looks like he's come straight from catering and he's out there getting mauled by Bobby Lashley and this match lasted four minutes. Lashley beat up Ali for most of this match. Ali attempted to come back when he avoided Lashley charging in the corner He landed a Tornado DDT to get some offense off the ropes. He got back to his feet. Lashley caught him with a spear, hurt lock, and that was basically it. That was basically it. Ali loses again. So Ali wants a shot at the United States Championship. Ali wants a shot at Seth Rollins. But after tonight, all this did was prove to me that Ali is not in the discussion for any. United States Championship. He shouldn't even be talking about the United States Championship, let alone wrestling for a United States Championship. Again, I don't want to shit on Ali, but from my my vantage point, my point of view, we are well past the point of no return. He's dead. Ali's dead. On top of that, the fans don't give a shit about him. Indifference. He gets no reactions every time he comes out every week. No reactions. Is that because of Triple H? No. It's because of how Vince McMahon treated him. And now we're getting the remnants of whatever Vince did to Ali. It's not something that's going to easily be fixable overnight. 
It's not going to be fixable in just a couple of weeks. This is going to be a very arduous and long, drawn-out process for Mustafa Ali. He may never get there. But he can look at Vince McMahon and thank Vince McMahon for the non-reaction that he's getting on Monday night now with Triple H in charge. He should not be in any discussion for any championship, period. Kathy Kelly. She interviewed the OC with Mia Yim backstage. AJ Styles says they've evened the odds by adding Mia Yim to the OC. Luke Gallows says he convinced Mia Yim to join them because he has a way with women. Don't let Keith Lee hear you say that, bro. Yim's body language was not really uh, all that positive to Luke Gallows. Styles then challenged Balor to a one-on-one match at Survivor Series. So we're not getting a Judgment Day and OC traditional Survivor Series match. We're getting Balor and Styles one-on-one at Survivor Series. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I thought the five-on-five or four-on-four Survivor Series match would have been good. But they've now taken Rhea Ripley and added her to War Games. Mia Yim is added to War Games. So Balor and Styles, they're the two biggest names in both groups. They're both pretty much the leaders of both of their respective groups. So they're going to be battling it out at Survivor Series. Where does Edge fit into this? I don't know. I don't know where Edge fits into this. I thought Edge was going to be back for Survivor Series. It looks like Edge is not going to be at Survivor Series. He may be at Survivor Series. I have no idea. I don't know why he wouldn't. This is going to be a monumental event for WWE. Why he wouldn't be there after what they did to him and his wife at Extreme Rules. A little weird. But we're getting Balor and Styles. I have no problem with that. Should be a great match. And hopefully Boston is lively or as lively as they were for Balor and Edge for Balor and Styles at Survivor Series. Mia Yim. She had a return match against Tamina Snuka. Now, you guys know what I think of Tamina. There's nobody Mina than Tamina. There's also nobody as awful as Tamina. Maybe Dana Brooke. Maybe Ronda Rousey. I don't know. A couple of notable names on that list that could be as terrible or terrible, more terrible than Tamina Snuka. But Mia Yim versus Tamina Snuka, this went three minutes. There's no way you could possibly convince me that there was not a better person on that roster to put in the ring with Tamina Snuka or with uh, with Mia Yim than Tamina Snuka. Putting Mia Yim in there with Tamina was not a good look. This was awful. Every bit of awful that I could possibly ever regurgitate to you, that was what this was. Awful. And the less I talk about this, the better. Tamina sucks. I don't care how light Tamina is. I don't care how great you think Tamina is. Longevity, seniority, etc., etc. She sucks. She's not good. Clunky, lazy, almost... Like she doesn't even want to be in there. So she's wrestling Mia Yim. This could have been a lot better with Mia Yim and her return match. You could have called up somebody from NXT to give a shine to. You could have 
called some local independent talent from Louisville, Kentucky to get in there and give Mia Yim some offense, right? Now, Tamina, clunky fucking, you know, uh, two left feet in there, Tamina. Three minutes. Mia Yim avoided a top rope splash by Tamina. One minute into the match, she's going up to the top rope. She landed a running boot to the face in the corner. Tamina came back with an uppercut. Yim came right back with an eat defeat, which is her finishing move for the one, two, three, three minutes. So we got Bobby Lashley and Mustafa Ali, four minutes. And we got Mia Yim and Tamina Snuka in three minutes. Seems more and more like Bruce Prichard's writing this show as the weeks go on. Remember when Triple H used to do three or four matches on Monday Night Raw and we got 15-minute matches? What happened? Mia Yim and Tamina, three minutes. Yawn. Awful. Afterwards, Rhea Ripley teased entering entering the ring and then she got to the apron and then dropped down to the floor, typical heel fashion, and she told Yim that she's in her head. Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, another geek on this show. Playing the bongos, playing the bong, is Matt Riddle. Kathy Kelly asked where Elias was. Riddle says he's booking their gigs since he's agreed to be in a band with him. Chad Gable and Otis walked up to Riddle and shooshed him. Good. The shooshing turned into a little song with Riddle playing the bongos every time Chad Gable shooshed him. Otis said Elias and Riddle as a team is a clown show. I would agree. Chad Gable says he's going to put him down into the ground later on Raw. Riddle then said both Gable and Otis are lame. Matt Riddle's character and direction is also lame. It's amazing to me. No, I don't see anybody really complaining in the IWC. You know, all the the check marks, they don't really give you what should be. They always dance around and sugarcoat shit. Matt Riddle... This is the worst that we've seen of Matt Riddle. This is the worst Matt Riddle has looked so far on the main roster. This Elias shit playing the bongs and tag teaming with Elias. He just went into a program coming out of SummerSlam with Seth Rollins where he won a great feud and came out on top in the fight pit match. And now he's teaming with Elias and Seth Rollins is the United States champion. Two different sides of the fucking spectrum here. Rollins is at the top and Riddle's at the fucking bottom. He's a bottom feeder. Riddle gained nothing by beating Seth Rollins and feuding with Seth Rollins. That's how you follow that up with this? I can't fucking wait till Randy Orton comes back. Because then at that point, Matt Riddle will be in something serious And Matt Riddle will be in a program with Randy Orton where it's going to be intense. Because when Randy Orton's on and he's a heel, it is very difficult to find anybody better than Randy Orton. And you see Riddle continuing to do Randy Orton moves. You know, he's slithering like the Viper and setting up for RKO's and doing draping DDTs. When Randy Orton comes back, it's over. Hopefully this riddle dies along with that because this shit sucks. I don't know how you follow what riddle was going to do with Seth Rollins or follow up what he did with Seth Rollins with this shit. 
damage control. They approached me and him in the back and says that they share a lot in common. And because of this, they should join together for war games against Team Bianca. Mia Yim says she appreciates the offer, but she doesn't have any problems with Asuka, Alexa, or Bianca. So why would I team with you? Bailey told her to at least think about it. Mia Yim told her not to take so long, looked at her, and then all of a sudden Styles, Anderson, and Gallows walked up to Mia Yim carrying a cooler of beer on ice. One thing I love about Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows is they enjoy their cold beverages. Awesome. Matt Riddle and Chad Gable. This was decent. Ten minutes. When Matt Riddle wrestles, Matt Riddle's great. Chad Gable is fucking fantastic. So clearly, these two, great match. I would love more for Chad Gable. I really would. I don't know what, well, I don't know what that means. Maybe a tag team title run with Otis. Maybe a singles run. Maybe a singles run for Chad Gable. When the WWE title gets back, to Monday Night Raw, I could absolutely see Chad Gable going after the United States Championship. He's fucking great. He's one of the standouts by far on Monday Night Raw. But I feel like he's just, he's in things, he's in the middle of things, but it really is never anything super important. He's over with the crowd, he's got a great gimmick, he's fucking entertaining to watch, he's funny, he's an incredible wrestler. I'd love to see more for Chad Gable. Hopefully, that's in the back of Triple H's mind when the time is right. This was a very good match, as it should be, because both are very good wrestlers. So, Riddle went to the top early on. Otis distracted him. Gable brought him down with a release German suplex, flipped him over, and that led to the first commercial break. Excellent move. After the break, Riddle fought back, exploder. Broton, power bomb, knee strikes, typical riddle offense for two. Gable reversed a bro Derek, which is his finishing move, and applied the ankle lock, but Riddle got out of that and applied a triangle choke. Gable hit a big DDT, and he goes for a cover, gets a two-count. Riddle came back with a draping DDT of his own, the Randy Orton draping DDT. Riddle then set up for the RKO, but was distracted by Otis. After a couple of back and forths, Gable applied a backslide with his feet on the ropes. The thing is, with Gable's feet on the ropes, the referee didn't see it. Otis added leverage by taking his workout towel, wrapping it around Gable's feet, and really cinched in that leverage pin. One, two, three. Matt Riddle loses to Chad Gable. Nice finish. Really nice finish there. Good match, goes about 10 minutes. This is the riddle I want to see. This is the riddle we need to see on a weekly basis. In there, wrestling, doing his thing, and less of the comedy shit. I appreciate Matt Riddle being Matt Riddle. I don't mind when he does the, yo, bro, you know, the shit from time to time. But every fucking week, he's out there playing the bongos, and he's acting like a fucking half-witted idiot. I mean, it it kind of dumbs down his overall personality, and we see more of that than we see of what we saw here in the ring with Gable. I want want the Matt Riddle we saw in his feud with Seth Rollins. That's the riddle I want to see. That's why I can't wait for Randy Orton to come back, because you're looking at your WrestleMania match right there for Matt Riddle and Randy Orton. That's going to be great. 
And hopefully, hopefully Randy Orton is ready by WrestleMania and ready to come back at the start of the year because uh, at this point, I, I if that's not the case, I don't know what Riddle's going to do at WrestleMania. JBL and Baron Corbin, the charisma vacuums that they are. They were backstage playing poker. This is something very, very familiar to JBL as he used to play poker with Ron Simmons while they were in the APA. So they're playing poker. They're basically running roughshod over some scrub that's sitting at the poker table with them. Server comes over and delivers Kentucky bourbon. JBL dismisses him and says, basically, Kentucky bourbon is dog shit. JBL rejected the bourbon because that bourbon is from the backwood hillbillies who married their cousins. I guess I enjoy cold beverages from the backwood hillbillies who marry their cousins. I love me some Kentucky bourbon. JBL then gave Corbin some Ugandan prime whiskey. Akira Tozawa walked up and joined the poker game after they dismissed this schmuck that they stole money from. JBL asked if he's ever played poker before. Akira Tozawa said no. He put glasses on and JBL asked, do you even know the rules of Texas Hold'em poker? No. Tozawa said no, no, no to all the questions. And JBL says, ha, 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 your money is absolutely good here. So they wanted to swindle poor Akira Tozawa. Miss TV. We go from two charisma vacuums to another charisma vacuum in the Miz. I do not care for the Miz and this Dexter Loomis storyline any longer. I think it's run its course. So we got Byron Saxon in the ring with the Miz. The Miz is dressed as Mr. Rogers. Byron Saxton sat with The Miz on Miz TV. Miz says he was relinquishing his job as host of Miz TV. He told Saxton to thank him for joining me. Miz asked for silence as he read a prepared statement. He then regretted paying Dexter Loomis. He said after being in WWE 18 years, never injured, never taking a day off, or if he was injured, he still showed up. And I never got so much as a cheer or a pat on the back. I will give Miz that. 18 years in the WWE and he's never been seriously injured. Never. That's amazing. It's not amazing at the same time because the Miz has one of the worst offensive movesets in all of the business and basically wrestles like a cosplay pro wrestler. The Miz is terrible. The Miz himself is great. The character is great. The Miz in the ring? I'm sorry. The Miz is fucking awful. The worst offense in the entire pro wrestling industry is The Miz. Nothing, 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 nothing resonates. Nothing is impactful. He's just lame. That's just my opinion. And I never got so much as a cheer or a pat on the back He says he's asked for very little, but Dexter kept taking and taking and taking until he couldn't see any end in sight. He said that's why he had to put a stop to Dexter's greediness. 
Saxton then asks why he lied to a private investigator he thought was a movie producer. He says he was he was telling her what she wanted to hear. And he put on a performance so she, she would buy his intellectual property. He said, in a big city like Hollywood, they don't want real. So he decided to embellish to make it more interesting. He said, in real life, he's just a devoted father, a loving husband, and a man who was cooped up in his bathroom all weekend because he was so distraught over what was happening. Johnny Gargano's music played. And Gargano walks out. And Gargano called the Miz out for once again lying. He says his wife posted pictures on Instagram of a vacation that he and Maurice were on. Miz says he was depressed in his hotel room. Gargano said nobody cares about the Miz because he always takes the easy way out. Miz then asked, why would I take the hard way? I guess he's got a point, right? Who's going to take the hard way out when you could take the easy way out? Why would I take the hard way, asked the Miz. Miz said Gargano just wants people to chant Johnny Wrestling. Gargano says he likes that chant, but everybody knows the Miz is a compulsive liar. He called him Mike and said, Mike, you lie about everything. Gargano then called him Mr. Rogers as if that was some, oh my God, what a, what a dastardly comment, right? He's wearing this fucking Mr. Rogers like cardigan, calls him Mr. Rogers. Gargano said Rogers is a good guy who treats people well and loves his neighbors. Miz insisted and yelled that he is a good guy and he yelled that he's sorry Can we now just move on so I can be the cornerstone of this company and a role model for my children? Gargano said he talked to WWE officials who thought the hidden camera footage was very convincing. He announced that Miz will face Dexter Loomis in two weeks on Raw. He said if Dexter wins, he has to pay Dexter everything he still owes him. And if Dexter wins, he gets a WWE contract as well. By beating The Miz. Miz says that match will be the biggest mistake of his miserable life. He said it will be awesome. Gargano told him, well, why don't you tell Dexter yourself? So Miz turns around. Dexter is right behind him because Dexter Loomis was dressed as a cameraman with a ski mask on. So Dexter Loomis took off his costume. Miz seen the opportunity to bolt out of the ring. And that's exactly what he did. Miz ran away. So you mean to tell me two more weeks and this is finally over? Two more weeks and this godforsaken storyline is finally over. Now, I don't want to be all pissy and negative about it. But this shit sucks. This is well beyond its expiration date. Well beyond Two more weeks, and we can finally kiss this storyline goodbye, and we can move Johnny Gargano on to something. We can move Dexter Loomis on to something, as he would be now storyline contractually obligated to WWE, and the Miz can go and do what he needs to do, and we can move on from this shit. I don't even have any interest in in how this plays. I don't give a shit. Clearly, we know how it's going to play out. The Miz is going to lose. The Miz is going to lose because there's no reason to think storyline-wise that Dexter Loomis is not going to get a WWE contract. 
But with Tommaso Ciampa going down, he needed hip surgery. I would like to think that with Ciampa going down, that this storyline needed to be rerouted. I'm going to use that as a possible excuse here. When Ciampa went down, who was aligned with The Miz, they didn't know where else to go, so they now included Johnny Gargano into it, and I feel with Ciampa, with him going down with the injury, they needed to go to plan B, and this is what we're getting. What you see now playing out is plan B. But I can't wait for this shit to be over. The Miz on the microphone is great. The Miz knows his character. The Miz knows how to get heat on himself, and he knows how to control an audience. Fine. The Miz, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the Miz isn't great at what he does. He sucks as a pro wrestler, but the Miz is very good at what he does. And I appreciate Johnny Gargano for what Johnny Gargano is. Johnny Gargano has a he, he has a lot of different aspects about him that I enjoy. He wears many different faces. He wears many different hats. You never know which Johnny Gargano you're going to get. You're going to get Johnny Wrestling. You're going to get Johnny Wrestling. You want to get comedian Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano is very witty, very charismatic when he wants to be. He's very good at what he does. I love Johnny. And I like the fact that Triple H somehow has still weaved Johnny Gargano into a storyline with Dexter Loomis because Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis are tied to each other in their days in NXT. Because Johnny Gargano led a group called The Way. And Dexter Loomis was a part of that because Dexter was in a romantic relationship with Indy Hartwell, who was in The Way. But this shit sucks. Nobody's really getting over here. We all know that Johnny Gargano could be in something a little bit more important. We all know that Dexter Loomis is very good at what he does. Wait till you see Dexter Loomis actually wrestle. That's the fucked up thing. I don't know what you're going to see when he's in the ring with The Miz. But Dexter Loomis can actually wrestle. That's the funny thing. I honestly think both Loomis and Gargano are suffering because of this storyline. And it's time to move on. Kathy Kelly interviewed Shelton Benjamin backstage. So before Shelton even said anything, Dominic and Damian Priest walked up to him and interrupted him very early on. Dominic says he's been a loser since Rey Mysterio and Edge were in their primes. He says they beat him and he's going to be better than them. Shelton warned Dom to back away, called him kid. Priest told Shelton... You better calm down, bro. So he says, if you have a problem with Dominic, you're going to have a serious problem with me too. Shelton says he wouldn't mind working on his problem tonight. He says it's time for someone to teach both of them a lesson. He says he was accepting Dominic's challenge and he'd see him in the ring. Dominic wanted Shelton to face Damian Priest instead and he looked worried. We may be getting some teases. We may be getting some teases here. The beginning stages, the seeds are being planted for when the Hurt Business gets back together after the Judgment Day gets done with the OC. It looks like we may be getting a reunited Hurt Business against Judgment Day. Who knows? That's what it felt like to me. Shelton Benjamin versus Dominic Mysterio. Four minutes. And Dominic defeated Shelton Benjamin on Raw. Now, the match itself was whatever, but Dominic pinning Shelton Benjamin, I don't know about that, bro. 
I really don't know about that. Unless this is really going to start accelerating the Hurt Business getting back together. But I don't think under any circumstances, Dominic Mysterio should be pinning Shelton Benjamin. Dominic went for the 619. Shelton caught him, hit a power slam, followed by a knee strike, and then an exploder suplex. Priest got in Benjamin's face. Dominic used this distraction to apply a schoolboy, rolled him up, got a two count. Benjamin then applied an ankle lock, but Rhea Ripley distracted the referee, and Damian Priest pulled Dominic into a rope break. 22-year veteran is Shelton Benjamin, turned his back on Dom to argue with Damian Priest. This is why I said Dominic Mysterio should not be pinning Shelton Benjamin on Monday Night Raw. If you wanted to give Dominic a clear-cut victory over Shelton Benjamin, fine. Nice and easy, no distractions, one, two, three, we help Dominic get over, whatever. But Shelton Benjamin, a 22-year veteran, falls to dumb babyface syndrome. 22-year veteran turns his back on Dominic Mysterio to go pay attention to fucking Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley? How stupid can you make him look? Dominic shoved him into the ring post, hit a DDT, goes to the top rope, hits a frog splash, and that was it. I will give Dominic his credit. He's got a very nice-looking frog splash, but that's about it. 22-year veteran is Shelton Benjamin loses because of a distraction. You'd think he'd know a thing or eight at this point in his career. No. Kathy Kelly, busy woman tonight, interviewed Austin Theory about his failed cash-in. This was easily the highlight of the show, and this was easily the best promo that Austin Theory's delivered so far on the main roster. Everybody was wondering what he thought following last week's terrible creative blunder. Austin Theory said nobody understands him. He says he was the chosen one and has since exceeded that expectation and outgrew the ceiling by becoming the face of a franchise. He said people continue to hate on him because they can't relate. He said everyone wants to see him fall short. But that won't happen. He said last Monday, people think he fell, but they're wrong. He says he feels more alive than he ever has. He said if it wasn't for Lashley, he would have had the best cash in ever. No. Now, I don't know why we need that line in there, because no cash in is going to be better than Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. None. Dolph Ziggler interrupted him and said it would have been the worst cash-in ever. Dolph even said that he owned the best cash-in ever. I would say Dolph is probably in the top three. I would say Seth Rollins, Edge, and then Dolph Ziggler. That's just me. He says he tried to help him out and give him advice before, but... Austin Theory's ego was too big. Theory says he's done being the next big thing or the future or a protege. He says he is the now. He said he'd love to prove it to Dolph Ziggler in the ring, and Ziggler agreed. 
This was great. He went on to say also that the reason why he cashed in, like I mentioned before, is because Roman Reigns has been unstoppable. And he knew the bloodline would be there if he tried to cash in no matter what. Even in his two previous cash-in attempts on Roman Reigns, Lesnar was there, he was foiled. Tyson Fury was there, he was foiled. So he said he decided to go against one of the greatest champions of the past decade, and then Lashley stopped him. He went after the United States Championship. Did it make sense? No. The cash-in never made sense. But at the end of the day, he was never going to pin or defeat or cash in successfully on Roman Reigns. Was there a better way to do the Austin Theory cash in? Yes. But the thing is, why wait? Why wait when you know you're only going to get the same result if you do it now? The same result would have been a loss. You would have had to wait months to do that. They could have accelerated it. They could have done it this year on a SmackDown. But why wait? Why wait? He did make a valid point. Roman Reigns is unstoppable. The bloodline is going to be there no matter what. So why even bother? I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the explanation. Doesn't make it right. It doesn't make whatever happened last week right. It was fucking stupid. It was lame. It insulted our intelligence. It made theory look like a schmuck. It made him look weak. It made the money in the bank briefcase basically worthless. But it needed to be done. This is what happens when WWE puts all their eggs in the Roman Reigns basket. The WWE Championship needs to be on Monday Night Raw. But right now, Roman and the Bloodline are the hottest thing in all of wrestling. And there's no way WWE is putting a stop to that. So this is what they came up with. Nobody is beating this version of Roman Reigns. Nobody. This version of Roman Reigns should not have his title reign ended on a fucking cash-in. This version of Roman Reigns needs to lose one, two, three in a traditional match that's going to be as important as any match in WWE history with the outcome going to whoever is in the ring with him. Not via a fucking cash-in because someone's holding a fucking briefcase. No matter what you want to say about the cash-in, what happened last week, no matter how fucking stupid it looked, it needed to happen. We can look at it for the fucking terrible creative it was, but at the end of the day, everybody's going to look at it and say, you know what, I don't mind it. If it gets Austin Theory to the next level, if it gets Austin Theory... You know, in a situation where he doesn't have to fucking be bogged down by a briefcase and he doesn't have to have that fucking worry on his back and on his mind and Triple H doesn't have to have that worry on his mind, what is the big deal? Austin Theory is now free. You're getting Triple H's version of Austin Theory. The Austin Theory that should have been coming out of NXT. That briefcase was the last 
remnant of Vince McMahon's Austin theory. He's had the briefcase. He had his name shortened. He was holding a fucking golden egg. Remember that? He stole Vince McMahon's egg. He was basically a Vince McMahon protege. Everything that Vince wanted him to be, Vince made him. As soon as Triple H took over, gave him his name back, put him out there, gave him wrestling matches with some of the biggest names in the company, took the fucking selfie gimmick away from him, snapping fucking pictures like he's fucking Tyler Breeze. That didn't fit Austin Theory. Had him grow out a thick beard. Now he looks fucking great. The briefcase was the last remnant of the Vince McMahon era for Austin Theory, and now it's gone. If Triple H needed any reason to take that briefcase off of Austin Theory, that is the one thing that people are going to overlook. That briefcase signified Vince McMahon. That briefcase signified a creative decision that should have never been and one that was made that didn't make sense. Why would Triple H want anything that Vince McMahon had a hand in on his fucking show holding him back? It makes sense to me. Now Austin Theory can go and be Austin Theory. The theory we got tonight. Physical, intense, focused, new. Now we're going into Survivor Series. Who knows what Austin Theory is going to be doing at Survivor Series. We may get a triple threat match with Rollins, Lashley, and Theory. I would prefer Theory versus Rollins, to be quite honest with you. That's just going to be the better match. But I could see Bobby Lashley being involved. Triple threat match for the United States Championship. I don't know if we're taking that title off of Seth Rollins right now. They need a major name. They need a baby face on this show that's going to anchor the brand where the WWE Championship right now is not there because it's on Roman. But what does that mean for Austin Theory? He can go out there and win matches now. He can go out there and be the 25-year-old fucking stud that we know he is. He's 25 years old. He's not even, at the age of 30, going to be in his prime yet. The future of the business is in very good hands. We got Austin Theory in WWE. We got MJF in AEW. I don't know what more in this business you want with talent like this on our TVs and will be on our TVs for years to come. Going into 2023, you may be looking at an Austin Theory that is already at the top of WWE's food chain. At the top of the card. I'm already thinking long-term for Austin Theory. I'm thinking come the Royal Rumble, you want Austin Theory to fucking showcase himself? You're going to have Austin Theory show up in the Royal Rumble at anywhere from numbers one to five. And I'm having him last. Austin Theory could realistically be in the Royal Rumble for nearly 60 minutes and pull a Rey Mysterio, and pull a Bob Backlund, and pull a Brian Danielson, and be there at the end in the final four. Doesn't mean he's going to win it. 
But a stat like that and a position like that and a showcase like that goes a very long way where people end up talking about it at the end of the year. King of the Ring is coming back, rumored to be coming back. Austin Theory could realistically be the WWE 2023 King of the Ring. At that point, will he be ready? I don't know. Normally, the King of the Ring wins that tournament and gets a number one contendership for a championship. We don't know what the championships are going to look like because Roman Reigns right now is untouchable. And the only one that should be taking that title off of Roman Reigns is either A, Cody, or B, Bray Wyatt. And I don't know if either of them are going to do it between now and WrestleMania. Or even after WrestleMania. WWE's got a thousand days on the horizon for Roman Reigns coming up. You better fucking believe they are getting a thousand days out of that ring. He's walking into WrestleMania and he's walking out as the champion. Unless it's Cody. Unless we get Cody. Which I would hope for. Because that's the match I want more than anything. Austin Theory could win money in the bank at WrestleMania. Austin Theory could win money in the bank all over again at WrestleMania if they put the match back on WrestleMania. And we would have from WrestleMania in April till next April 2024 where Austin Theory could realistically be ready for a WWE championship. So no matter what people are talking about with Austin Theory, everything that's coming up that is going to be something to create a new star. We got so many different opportunities next year where Austin Theory could be right in the thick of things. Who's to say he who's to say he doesn't win money in the bank all over again at WrestleMania? At least this time it will be a Triple H money in the bank and not leftovers from the Vince McMahon era. I have no problem looking at the positives in this situation. I could sit here and fucking tell you over and over and over again until I'm blue in the face. Did what they what they did last week? Did it look fucking stupid? Yes. Could it have been done better? Absolutely. But who gives a fuck? Who cares? After Survivor Series, you're not going to even talk about it. It's not even going to be on your fucking breath. Believe me. This will be one of those situations where people are mad about it now and will move on and move on quick and you're not even going to fucking worry about it. If Triple H is not worried about it, why the fuck are you worried about it? I've seen a lot of people saying buried. I said this in the beginning of the show. I could see why people said buried. On the outside, it does look like a burial. But if you really think that Triple H is going to bury Austin Theory purposely, like Vince McMahon rumored wanted to bury Gunther. I don't believe that for a fucking second. Not from Triple H. Not from the guy who hired Austin Theory. Why would anybody think Triple H is going to bury Austin Theory? It was a symbolic burial of the last remnant of the Vince McMahon era in regards to Austin Theory. That's all it was. So you could use burial, but it wasn't a burial of Austin Theory. It was a burial of whatever Vince McMahon wanted to do that did not fit into the narrative of the new vision of Triple H. That's all it was. EO Sky. She wrestled Dana Brooke. 
I don't believe we got Dana Brooke on TV wrestling EO Sky two weeks before War Games. Brooke hit a DDT. She did that silly handspring elbow. Sky Carter hit a German suplex. Double running knee strike, Meteor in the corner. Moonsault. One, two, three. Goodbye, Dana Brooke. Back to the green bean casserole in catering. Goodbye. After the match, Mia Yim entered. She's on the stage. She informed Damage Control that she has made a decision. And Damage Control thought that she was joining them. Bianca Belair joins Mia Yim. Alexa and Asuka join Mia Yim. She's on Team Bianca. Back to the poker game, Tazawa had the most chips sitting on the table next to him. He won 12 hands of poker in a row. Corbin went all in and claimed he had three aces, but he was lying to Tozawa. Tozawa challenged him to show his cards, and he did, and he did not have what he said he had. So Tozawa says, in the ring, I want you in the ring. So this all led to a match with Baron Corbin and Akira Tozawa on Monday Night Raw. I don't know what they're doing with Corbin, but Jesus fucking Christ, it may end up being one of the worst things on all of WWE TV all year. Dolph Ziggler. He went one-on-one with Austin Theory. Before this match started, Theory entered without his cell phone, and the announcers made mention of it. Good. Good. It did not fit him. I don't, I don't know what he was doing with the self, taking selfies everywhere. It was lame. It was lame. But I guess everybody needs a star, right? Dolph Ziggler and Austin Theory, easily the best match of the entire night. Crowd was quiet for the first little bit of this, and then they, this is how good both Ziggler and Austin Theory are, they woke the fuck up, man. People were chanting, this is awesome, this is awesome. Crowd was quiet for the first portion of this thing. Ziggler applied a sleeper. Theory powered out of it before Ziggler caught him with a knee strike. Hit the Famouser. Goes for a cover. Gets in your fall. Theory took Ziggler twice to the steel post. Shoulder first into the ring post. Ziggler returned the favor to Austin Theory after Theory tried it again. Ziggler followed with a zigzag. He goes for a cover. He gets in your fall. Ziggler set up for a super kick, but Theory clocked him with a right hand. And then he hit the A-Town down. Theory had the match won, but he hit his finisher again before hammering away at Ziggler. The ref started to get in Theory's face to stop as he launched Ziggler into the steel steps. Theory rammed Ziggler's head into the announce table, and the referee called for the bell and called the match off. Basically, Theory, enraged, was beating up Austin, uh, was beating up uh, Dolph Ziggler, was Austin Theory. Theory chucked the steel steps onto Ziggler. He threw chairs at Ziggler, and the officials eventually ran down to stop him. Theory was angered. Basically, the anger is coming out because of what happened last week on Monday Night Raw, and we are getting a new reborn Austin Theory, a new Triple H Austin Theory. I thought this match was very good. Crowd was into it. I'm shocked that they were into it because, I mean, the match had no heat going into it. And then, like I said, it's 
it goes to show you how good Austin Theory and Dolph Ziggler are with how they managed to get everybody invested in that match. And then the post-match attack was great by Austin Theory. That looked great. That was the best we've seen Austin Theory look on the entire main roster run he's been on. That. He looked fantastic. Damage control. They seemed concerned about Mia Yim joining Bianca Belair. And all of a sudden, Rhea Ripley shows up and offered to join them for war games because Mia Yim is now involved with Bianca Belair. Let's go to war. Damage Control just stood there smiling because they knew they had the Rhea Ripley ace that they were looking for. Now, this makes five for Bailey. We got Bailey, EO, Dakota, Rhea Ripley, and Nikki Cross. Very, very formidable team. A lot of people, including me, were like, yep, Sasha's going to join. Naomi's going to join. We're going to get damage control with both Sasha and Naomi at War Games, right? So we got damage control and no Sasha Banks and no Naomi. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I don't know where they're going to fit or even if they will end up fitting. I have no idea. Bianca Belair has Bianca herself. She's the Raw Women's Champion. We got Asuka. We got Bliss. And we got Mia Yim. Mia Yim being involved is certainly out of left field. She just got here. That's the only hang-up that I have in regards to Mia Yim. Is Mia Yim going to do fine in war games? Sure. Everybody can look good in that type of element, in that type of environment. But she just got here last week, and now she's already involved with damage control, teaming up with Bianca Belair. She had nothing to do with Bianca. She had nothing to do with anybody on Bianca's team. She had nothing to do with damage control, Nikki Cross, or anybody. The only one that she had to do with was Rhea Ripley because she was the equalizer for the OC against Judgment Day and Rhea Ripley. So they're continuing the Rhea Ripley and Mia Yim OC storyline in war games with these two women being involved on separate teams. But it is kind of a stretch. I think WWE could have gone out there and done a lot better if they wanted to. Or at least make a little bit more sense of it. But there is still one open spot on Team Bianca. Now, there are names. There are names. First, I want to say, and I don't mean this in any disrespectful way towards Alexa Bliss, but with all the Bray Wyatt shit happening, with all the Bray Wyatt clues and the Bray Wyatt logos during Alexa's segments on Raw, who's to say Alexa even makes it to War Games? I mean, physically, do you see Alexa lasting 40 minutes in an environment like War Games? I know I don't. I don't think Alexa is cut out for something like War Games. Who's to say Alexa doesn't get taken out before the match? Remember when Dakota Kai took out Tegan Knox in the NXT War Games that they did during Black and Gold? Took out Tegan Knox. That's something I could see happening to someone like Alexa. Maybe we get Bray Wyatt's influence kind of taking her out of the match. I know I don't see her 
lasting 40 minutes in that type of environment. That may be where Sasha Banks shows up and teams with Bianca. That could be an option. I'm not saying that's what's going to be, but it could be something along those lines where we get one out and then in comes Sasha. I just feel like Sasha's going to be there because two reasons. One, it's Boston. That's the obvious. And number two, that woman wants history. That woman wants to be a part of history, and that's the first women's war games. I just cannot see Mercedes Vernado not being a part of the first women's war games. I just can't. I can't see it. So that may be a way. I can't see Alexa lasting 40 minutes in a fucking women's war games match. She's not built for that. The other thing, Candice LeRae was involved with damage control. We could see Candice LeRae be named, but we haven't seen Candice LeRae in a couple of weeks. I don't know what's going on with Candice. I don't know if she's hurt. I don't know if WWE's pulled her from this storyline. I thought Candice was involved, and now all of a sudden we haven't really seen much of Candice LeRae at all. Could be Candice. The other one that I'm thinking about, what if WWE wants to really up the ante here? And we do Rhea Ripley on Team Bailey. She's joining Damage Control. And Rhea Ripley, thinking that she's going to be on Bailey's team and aligned with Damage Control, she's got Mia Yim on the other end. Who's to say Bianca Belair doesn't go out and get Beth Phoenix to join her for War Games? So not only does Rhea Ripley have to deal with Mia Yim, who is the insurance policy of the OC and AJ Styles, But Bianca Belair as a surprise. Okay, Rhea Ripley wants to go and do that. I'm going to call up Beth Phoenix, and I'm going to ask her, hey, do you have any plans for Boston and War Games? Would you like to join me? I could see Beth Phoenix joining Team Bianca and being a part of War Games. So we could see Candice. She's probably the least interesting option. We could see Beth Phoenix. That would be intriguing. And it would tie up loose ends coming from Extreme Rules. Or we could see Sasha Banks. Because like I said, I don't see Sasha Banks not being at War Games. Or we could get Sasha and Beth Phoenix. As I said before, I could see Sasha taking Alexa's spot while Alexa is taken out of the match. Because I just can't see Alexa lasting in a War Games environment. So it's either one of those three joining Team Bianca or... We get two of the three, and Alexa gets taken out. I don't know. Now, the wild card, the wild card is, and this is somebody that I mentioned, the wild card that we could see is Becky Lynch, but I don't really know if Becky Lynch is due to come back. Becky Lynch has been gone over 100 days now. I don't know the severity of her injury. I don't know if she's ready to come back. She could definitely be the wild card here. She could. Because she definitely fits into the plan. Survivor Series would definitely fit with Becky Lynch. War Games would definitely fit with Becky Lynch because Becky Lynch was with Bianca at the end of their SummerSlam match when Damage Control first arrived on the scene. So we could see Becky Lynch. But I don't know what Becky Lynch is doing. I don't know the status of Becky Lynch. I don't know if she's really that injured. She's been gone for over 100 days. Maybe WWE is keeping it very quiet because they want it to be a surprise. I don't know. I would rather Sasha than Becky. I think WWE keeps Becky out. This is just me speaking. 
I think WWE keeps Becky out because I don't really think WWE wants Becky in this environment. I think they're going to get ready for WrestleMania season with Becky Lynch. I think Becky wins the Royal Rumble. And she gets Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. That's just me. But it could be Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch could be the wild card. I don't know. So we'll see what happens. But the Women's War Games match basically is set. Except for that one unknown on Team Bianca. Baron Corbin. Three minutes with Akira Tozawa. End of days. Goodbye. I don't know. I mean... They brought Baron Corbin all the way to Louisville, Kentucky to drink Ugandan whiskey, play poker, and beat up Akira Tozawa. My God, man. My God. This is the best we got for Baron Corbin? I'm actually starting to feel bad for the fucking guy. Awful, awful, awful. Kathy Kelly interviewed Bianca Belair, Oscar Bliss, and Yim. Belair said, if adding Mia Yim was big, just wait till we add a fifth. It could be anybody. I just mentioned who I think it could be. Kelly noted that there will be a match next week to determine who gets the advantage at War Games. She said the decision isn't being taken lightly. She said no matter who they throw at her, they'll represent. She said their opponents are about games, but they're about war. As they left, Gable and Otis walked up to Kathy Kelly and asked if she's forgotten to interview the biggest winner of the night. He said he and Otis would easily beat Riddle and Elias. Seth walked past them, and he's getting ready for the main event. Saxton approached Finn Balor and asked about the challenge thrown down by AJ Styles. Balor said, of course I accept. He said, tonight is focus on Seth first. He says they have a lot of unfinished business, and he will become the new United States champion. And this was a very good match. This was the main event. It went over 20 minutes. And to me, I like the Theory and Ziggler match better. But this was a very good match as well as it should be. Because Seth and Finn Balor are two excellent professional wrestlers. So we go to commercial break about halfway through this thing. And Seth was on offense. He went for a top rope splash. Balor got the knees up. So that kind of shifted the control of the match into Finn Balor's favor. We go to commercial break. So we come back from commercial break. The pace is picking up a little bit from the first half of the match. Big moves are being thrown out by both guys. Seth got a near fall with a nice-looking sit-out powerbomb. Balor climbed the top rope. Seth knocked him off balance. Seth then executed a top rope superplex. Balor countered with a 19-16. And then... Brushed off a superplex attempt again. He got a near fall. Seth was setting up for his stomp. Dominic and Damian Priest run out and distract Seth Rollins. Balor rolled up Seth for a near fall. Seth landed a series of strikes. He took a a nice big swing at Damian Priest on the ring apron. Balor landed double stomps on Seth. But Carl Anderson, Gallows, and Styles with Mia Yim ran out. And everything kind of just broke down and got convoluted. Priest speared Anderson into the announce desk. And Balor climbed to the top rope. But Styles, behind the referee's back, jumps on the ring apron, shoved him off the top rope. He was choked out on the top rope on the way down. Priest and Styles then fought into the crowd. Dominic and Gallows were brawling back in the ring. Craziness is happening on the outside. Seth 
caught Balor with the curb stomp for the one, two, three, and he retains the United States Championship. After the match, Theory attacked Rollins, gave him not one, but two A-Town downs, rammed his head into the ringside steps, into the announce desk, and then he hit him with the United States Championship at the end of the show, cracked him in the head with it, held the title up, and the show went off the air. So that was basically Monday Night Raw, and that was the main event, a very convoluted main, main event, a very all-over-the-place main event, but Balor and Seth Rollins did a very good job before all the, the nonsense happened with Judgment Day towards the end, and then Austin Theory with a great sneak attack. This was Austin Theory's night. This was a great showcase, a, a great redo, a, a great first step forward for Austin Theory on Monday night. I thought Raw was very mid. It was a good show at points, but overall it was a very skippable show with bare minimum being done for War Games. This was all about Austin Theory. This was all about correcting the wrongs from what happened last week with Austin Theory with a little sprinkle of, all right, let's get the women's War Games match set. Let's get the Survivor Series match with Balor and Styles set. Let's get Mia Yim and Rhea Ripley on their respective teams. And that was it. That was basically it. This Survivor Series is going to be spearheaded by the two War Games matches and everything else is going to be kind of on the undercard just there. This is basically all about the War Games. The 10 women and the 10 men, and that's it. But I wish there was a little bit more focus on the build, but regardless, War Games is going to be a great pay-per-view because that's what War Games is all about. It's craziness. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be chaotic and unpredictable. And I think Triple H is going to nail it because he's nailed it how many times in NXT? So it's going to be great. I have no problem with that at all. Now, I did say Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is supposed to be a part, I think. I don't know now, but Kevin Owens, speaking of war games, should be involved with the Brawling Brutes and Drew McIntyre to go against the Bloodline at war games. But unfortunately, Kevin Owens is now sidelined with a knee injury. There was concern following Sunday's WWE house show in Madison, Wisconsin, where he beat Austin Theory in a singles match. Dave Meltzer noted in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that the injury is an MCL sprain. It's not a tear, it's a sprain. Meltzer wrote, the way it was worded was that, hopefully, that is all the injury is with the idea that it could be more than that. Owens came down from the turnbuckle and landed hard on his knee before he immediately clutched the knee at this house show and the referee went to go check on him. Owens got back up, hit the stunner, and pinned Theory to win the match. Owens was helped to the backstage area after the match was over and he was limping towards the back. No more information about this injury was available and Owens right now, again, out with an MCL sprain. Monday Night Raw A has suffered because of Kevin Owens not being on the show. Kevin Owens is a huge part of Monday Night Raw and was heavily focused on. Number two, I get that WWE needs to run these house shows and they need star power for these house shows, but so close to war games to have 
Kevin Owens out there wrestling a nothing match with Austin Theory that has nothing to do with anything. Two weeks before War Games, two weeks before the start of a major, all capital letters in the word major, major storyline for Kevin Owens. After being off TV for how many weeks now? The start of a major program for this guy, and you throw him out there on a fucking house show that means nothing to wrestle Austin Theory. Why is he wrestling a house show in Madison, Wisconsin, two weeks before war games with the risk of injury? Now we're looking at an MCL sprain and a Kevin Owens that may not be a part of the biggest storyline of his entire WWE run. That shit pisses me off. Hopefully he is okay. I don't know if he's going to be ready. We're two weeks out from Saturday. Survivor Series is one week from Saturday. Not good. It's not good. Hopefully he gets better and hopefully he's ready to go. And I wish him nothing but the best. Anyway, guys, we are about to get into the Super Chats. Hopefully you guys... Are in the mood to drink your cold beverages, man. Hopefully they're still cold. I got mine. But I want to thank you very much for hanging out with me on this Monday night. Hit that thumbs up, man. We got 772 likes. If you enjoyed what Triple H did with Austin Theory tonight, I want you guys to hit that thumbs up. We need a 1,000 likes minimum today on the Raw Post Show right here on Off The Script. Today's sponsored by my great friends over at Manscaped. It is way too early for holiday music, man. Not for me. But it's never too early to start thinking about gifts. Whether it's for a friend or the friends in your pants, you can make this season... A jolly season with Manscaped. Do your little drummer boy a favor and use the lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add in Manscaped's top-of-the-line shower products to have the people thinking, all I want for Christmas is you. Santa does care about his sack, and so should you, man. Code SCRIPT20 at checkout. Free shipping and 20% off at manscaped.com. The Platinum Package 4.0. You're going to get the Lawnmower 4.0 Body Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Both feature advanced skin-safe technology. Both are waterproof, so there's no issue clearing out the snow in your driveway. There's also a 4,000K LED light, so you can light the way, just like Rudolph does when he's delivering the fucking gifts with Santa Claus. Also, you need to smell good, right? They got the Crop Preserver. That's their ball deodorant. And Crop Reviver, that's their ball toner. The Platinum Package 4.0 will be sitting under your tree, and it's a guaranteed way to put anyone in the holiday spirit. Also, they got the new body buffer, an incredible body scrubber that makes exfoliating easy and a lot cleaner than that old loofah. Make sure you guys go to manscaped.com, 20% off using code SCRIPT20 at checkouts. 
bucks, 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped, get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. Santa Claus. Get him out. Get into the super chats, guys. Michelle Moran with a two dollar super chat. Ko being out six weeks may delay the story with Sim. So Ko is out six weeks. Is he out six weeks? Is that what they said? If he's out six weeks, who do we get to fill in for Kevin Owens on Team Brawling Brutes and Drew McIntyre? It's going to be very interesting. Not today, Jay, with a $20 Super Chat, followed by a $9.99 Super Chat. Here's my theory for War Games. We'll find out the real or the rest of the team of Team Bianca before War Games, but Damage Control will tease they found their final member, and that member will be revealed at War Games, and that member will be Sasha. Well, not today, Jay. You are way off. Because Rhea Ripley is the fifth and final member of Damage Control. To be fair, I did say my last comment before the Rhea Ripley segment, so more than likely Sasha and Naomi return at Rumble, which I had originally thought in the first place. I think Sasha will be at War Games. That's my prediction. I could be wrong, but that's my prediction. Thank you for the 30, not today, Jay. I appreciate you, bro. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Well, they solidified a Seth face turn tonight. Yes, they did. They actually did that last week. Carol22 in the chat says, A grade one MCL sprain takes two weeks. Josh Spicy. With a $5 super chat. What happened when Top Dollar tried peeping on Zelina from his canoe? He stopped mid row. <laughs> Listen, Josh, we got uh, we got uh, Sidro as our OTS comedian. Noah Driscoll with a $5 Super Chat. Can we get rid of the three-hour shows, please? I love the new version of Austin Theory, and he killed it tonight, but three times in one show seemed like a little much. Seven out of ten. Tony Brown, 199. I Super Chatted Sunday, and it wasn't read, my friend. Tony Brown, I read your Super Chat, brother. Absolutely read your Super Chat, man. Jabril Muhammad with two 499 Super Chats. Hey, JD, in your opinion, what are the best or your favorite Resident Evil games? I know I'm just getting into them by playing the original first game. My favorite Resident Evil games are Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil Village. One more thing. What is your opinion on the Resident Evil movies? The first one is so bad and corny, but I love it for some weird reason. LOL. OTS for life. Uh, I thought all the Resident Evil movies have been fucking awful. 
Ali with a 499 Super Chat. Hey, JD, let's just say if Bray Wyatt versus LA Knight match did happen at Survivor Series, how would you have rated that match? Uh, I don't think that's going to happen at War Games, bro. We don't even know if LA Knight and Bray Wyatt are going to be a thing. We'll find out more on Friday, but I don't... I'm not putting them in a match at War Games. Joseph Taylor with a $5 Super Chat. JD, I've been subscribed to your channel for 11 months. Thank you, Joseph. Pizza Turd with a five-month membership to the OTS VIP Club. Cheers to five months. Best 25 bucks I've ever spent. JD is a modern-day wrestling podcast god. Baron Corbin sucks. Get him off TV. Pizza Turd, I appreciate you, bro. Thank you so much, man. Nick Williams with a $10 super chat. Thanks for the shout out. No bomb today because of Thanksgiving prep. But the fact you played breaking through it all from the Sonic Frontier game was epic. More bombs coming soon. Nick Williams, thank you, brother. Thank you for the recommendation as well, man. You, uh, you know the OTS venue very well, bro. As soon as I heard it, I'm like, this motherfucker, man, he got it right. And I, I haven't played Sonic Frontiers yet. I heard very lackluster things about the game, so I don't really want to spend $60 on a game that is basically 20 hours long. I'll wait till it goes on sale. Because I do like those open world kind of concept games, and that looks very interesting to me. Francisco with a $5 Super Chat. JD, my 1995 Honda Civic finally gave out on me. And I am glad to say I will be pulling up to the venue in my 2022 Chevy Camaro from now on. Francisco, I'm happy to hear it, bro, but uh, my Mustang doesn't want to see any Camaros parked outside the venue. I need to come up with a way to get me this new Mustang Dark Horse, man. God, do I want that car. Nick Williams with a $10 Super Chat. I messed up my own Super Chat from the previous, but men's war games may be in trouble because of Kevin Owens being injured at a house show. Who should replace him if he can't make it? Well, we don't know, bro. I have, I have no idea. I have no idea who could replace Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is the only one that makes sense. Soundwave, 1999 Super Chat. First, do you ever watch Mr. Do, did you ever watch Mr. Belvedere? Yes, I did. I think Sensational Sherry was the wildcat of WWE. I like Motormaster and the Stunticons. Which Transformers do you like? Bro, I was Decepticons all the way. I was Megatron, Astro Train, Starscream, Soundwave. That's it, bro. That, those are my guys. The Destructicons. 
All Generation 1, bro. That's that's all me. Captain Solo with a $5 Super Chat. OTS for life. Thanks for all the hours of entertainment. Hope you enjoyed your cold beverages when you went to Ireland. Bro, I enjoyed Ireland's cold beverages very much, man. I could see Braun Strowman. I could see Ricochet. I could see Matt Riddle. DGK Dog with a 499. Setting up Candice LeRae to be the last member of Team Bianca to no reaction will be a little rough, especially for people expecting a Sasha or a Becky. The reason why they haven't announced it yet is because I feel like it's somebody big. The script keeper with a $5 super chat. Who writes that stupid crap from Manscaped? Whoever it is, get them out. Bro, I actually think they're kind they're kind of witty, bro. I don't write them. They send it to me. Whatever they send me, bro, I have to read it. That's all them. And Hootie Noah with a 499 super chat. How would a fatal four-way between Rollins, Lashley, Theory, and Ali be? I think it could be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine, but does Ali deserve to be there? No. Ali deserves to be in catering. He loves Titus's cheesecake, man. Dana requested strawberry cheesecake. I think Titus obliged. Scorpio 1117 with a $2 super chat. Karrion Cross's moveset is terrible. I think Karrion Cross gets shit on for really no good reason, man. Is Karrion Cross the best wrestler on the planet? No. Is he good? He's serviceable. He wrestles one style. That's his problem. Karrion Cross needs to pick up the pace a little bit. He had a very good match at Crown Jewel with Drew McIntyre. We want to see more of that Karrion Cross, and he'll be fine. Anyway, guys, that is all I got, man. We're about to get out of here. I appreciate you guys very much for hanging out with me on this Monday night. Great start to the week. I may, I may actually review NXT tomorrow night, man. I may actually sit here on Tuesday night and go over NXT, man. We got two big championship matches. Braun Breakers defending the NXT championship against Von Wagner. And Mandy Rose is defending the NXT Women's Championship against Alba Fire. So we got two big championship matches on Tuesday night, man. So I may be live for that. I'm not sure yet. I'll let you know. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for the Super Chats. Tony Brown, 499. Why not leash your Mustang? I'm a former financial manager. I don't know, bro. I like to own. Maybe I should lease. I don't know. Thank you, Tony Brown, for the 499. Again, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me on this Monday night. Hit that thumbs up. We got 819. I don't know why it's so difficult to get likes out of you guys, man. I didn't entertain you. I, I didn't do a good job tonight. Where's the thousand likes? We used to hit a thousand likes all the time. Minimum. It's like you guys are being stingy with the likes. It's fucking free. Anyway, guys, I'll uh, I'll keep you posted on NXT. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Let me see those emojis in the chat. 
And I need that music on Max. Guys, thank you so much. And if I don't see you on Tuesday, I'll see you on Wednesday for the go-home show for Dynamite. Jesse and I will be live for AEW Dynamite right here on OTS. I'll see you guys later.